Good morning. Good morning again, everybody. Thanks so much for giving. Thanks for being here today as well. It's just, again, always so nice to have people in the room and obviously welcome to those that are watching online today. Trust you enjoying the service with us. Um, wasn't worship awesome? There's nothing like uh, singing in the presence of God. You know, it's just so powerful. And uh, something so counter to our normal culture and the way we do things, where we're coming, we just like let everything go and give to him. So so often in life, we're trying to hold it all together and do things ourselves where worship is all about just letting go. So it's beautiful to sing together. So we're in the middle of a series called A Better Way. And I want to start by telling you a a story. So um, many years ago, my wife wanted a treadmill. So this is going back like when we were kind of newly married. So we bought this treadmill and it went into the garage. The reason why we bought a treadmill, because where we lived back there in Asagar, how many of you know there's lots of hills in Asagar? <laughs> so it's not fun to go running around Asagar. And, and I wasn't a runner then, uh, but every now and again, I would get onto this treadmill and uh, give it a go, you know? But being my competitive self, I would always like to see how fast I could go. Like, you know, there's that, like, I wanna see if I can get to level 15 or whatever it was. And normally, level 15, uh, well, like most of us, we're going to fall off the back, you know, it was just too fast. But the one time, I remember having a little jog there, <laughs> staring out our garage window, and I pushed the button to just go up one or two notches, but something happened, and uh, it, it slowly got faster. So, like, I'm going from a little a trot, for those of you horse riders, to a canter, then to a full-out gallop. And I started actually drifting back and couldn't reach the button to like push it back down. And you know, when you're about to fall off the back, I could feel my feet running off the back and literally could not read it. And eventually this thing luckily had like a tag or a key that kind of kept it going that was attached to you. And this thing came off and I almost wiped out badly, fell off the back. Um, And I know some of you would love to have been there to have watched that, right? But uh, I survived um, and didn't run for a long time after that. But, But how many of you feel like life is like that? Like it just slowly speeds up. It gets quicker, it gets a little faster, it's a little bit more. And um, a friend of my dad's actually has, has a theory. He says, life does speed up. So we're like, no, well, it can't. Like time can't speed up. He says, no, it does. He says, because when you're one, a year is your whole life. When you're two, a year is only half your life. When you're 10, it's a 10th. When you're 20, it's a 20th. And like some of you who are 70, it's a 70th, right? So in kind of the memory bank, and and that's why like when you get older, it does feel like a year goes quickly. How many of you felt like this year, it's just crazy, okay? See all the old people with their hands up? No, I'm kidding, (laughs) I'm joking. For me personally as well, it just feels like, oh my gosh, where's this year gone? It's like November. Is November tomorrow? Yes. I can't, I can't believe it. Like, it just felt like the other day that we started the year. And it feels like life is speeding up. And then on top of time and us getting older and life and a year feeling like it's quicker, I think we're keeping ourselves busy with so many things. We buy more, we take on a new job, we do a sideline job, we take on another car payment. There's this project we need to do. For some of you who are kind of building a family, you have another kid, like my wife convinced me. I was happy with three and she was like, we've got to have four. So we waited five years and eventually we had the fourth with her. I'm very, very grateful for, but it was another kid. Then it was more nappies. We literally lived in a season of nappies for like 10 years. Then it's like a new school, and then it's lifts, and then it's this bride, then I haven't seen these people, and it's just crazy. Honest question, how many of you feel like you always rushed? 
You see, now some of you are lying here to say, how many of you feel like you just feel rushed a lot of the time? Come on now, let's get some engagement going, okay? How many of you feel like just overwhelmed and anxious about all that you have to do? You know, like before you go away somewhere, it's like, you know those last few days, it's just crazy trying to get everything sorted and done or at the start of a new school term or a year and, and, and we start to get anxious because how, do we gonna, how are we gonna fit it all in? We just do not have enough hours in a day and we're always trying to squeeze a little bit more and this treadmill of life just seems to be speeding up. I told you a little bit about my problems on the highway when I try and look for the quickest gaps and you know, you know, the quickest sections of the road which I've kind of worked out in traffic. But one of the things I also do is when I get to the tills, I scan very quickly like an account, like I can do it like within a second of which is gonna be the quickest queue. I'll look at the, uh, you know, so, so people that are there, you know, and uh, count one, two, three there, get two there. And I get very upset if someone beats me that actually should have been behind me. You ever do that? Well, that's why I like Dischem, although it is very discouraging when you get to Dischem and you see a line going all the way out and around. But it is nice. At least everyone has a fair shot. You know what I mean? And everyone gets out in the right time. Not like some where you, you know what I mean? <laughs> some of you know what I'm talking about. When I get to a toll booth, uh, the other day we went out to um, up the North Coast and it was, when was it last? Friday, I think it was like, everyone was going up the North Coast. And, um, I look at the, the toll and, I, and I'm immediately counting the cars. And I remember there was a guy behind me and he went to that lane, I went to this lane and I was like, I'm gonna beat you, you know what I mean? <laughs> and then when he pulled up before me, I'm like, oh. And it's so funny, when you're in a rush, you always end up being stuck behind someone. Like on the way to church this morning, I, we, we got a meeting here in the morning and I'm rushing to get you. And down Springside Road, I'm behind this guy. Sorry if you're at church today, but like, he's got a Prado, guys, but he's going over the speed bumps as if he has like a, a Porsche. It's like, oh, can we just keep going? And I think he did it purposefully because he knew I was quite close behind him. And oh, I was just so relieved when I got to the robots here in Hillcrest, Hillcrest I could kind of overtake him and get here quickly, always in a rush. We even are so good at multitasking and we do a lot of our work even when we're sitting on the toilet. Can we be honest here in church? But how many of you don't just feel rushed, but you occasionally feel disappointed at the way your life is going because it's just too much. Some honest people putting up their hands. It's almost like I'm missing something. And like we spoke about last week, there has to be a better way. We don't have time to do what we love and especially with the people we love. And is life supposed to be this way? What if I told you the greatest enemy to the life you want may be the life that you're living? The greatest enemy to the life that you want may be the life that you're living. So the message series that we're on at the moment, week two, it's called A Better Way. Is there a better way? When we look at the life of Jesus, the way that he lived and the way that he loved people, is there a better way to do life? And today's message is titled, When You're Too Busy for What Matters. Let me pray, because I think we need some prayer when it comes to some of this stuff. Father, I just pray that you would speak to us powerfully today when we look at your word and we just talk around this subject. I think all of us can relate. We all feel so rushed and so busy. I pray that you would help us by your grace and that we would discover that there is a better way. Speak through me today, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, a little confession here. This message is pretty hard for me to preach 
Because you must understand, and I've told you this many times before, just because we stand up here and preach something doesn't mean we've got it all right. In many ways, often I'm preaching it myself. So just because I say something doesn't mean like, this is perfect for me and I don't have any of these issues. This is a hard message for me to preach because sometimes it feels like it's the opposite of the way that I'm living. I don't like slow. I've got to be honest. Austin, I'm all about time efficiency. If you can do something quicker and better, it just makes sense to me. I've told you my story of the, tooth, the, the toothpaste. For me, Jin squeezes, uh, well, she, she squeezes at the top, I squeeze at the bottom, and we used to have these disagreements. So eventually we bought our own toothpaste because I squeeze at the bottom because it makes sense. I don't have to squeeze twice every time. Because if you squeeze from the top, it goes back down, then you've got to waste time to squeeze it back up every time you brush teeth. It's obvious, okay? So I'm all about time efficiency. Let's see if we can do it quicker. Let's see if we can do it better. I'm like, we've only got a certain amount of seconds in this life. So if you can save a few seconds here and there because we're so busy, it makes sense to me, right? Maybe you're not as dysfunctional as me, but I'm guessing that you're all busy. You know what's interesting? Last week we spoke about the yoke. Remember the animal that has the yoke over its head and it keeps two oxen working together and Jesus asks us to take on his yoke so that he can lead us. Do you remember that? For those of you who are here, if you didn't, you can catch it online. I once heard someone, or an acronym on, on being busy, that it could possibly be meaning being under Satan's yoke. Pretty interesting. But we've all got places to be, people to see, a job to do, payments to make, dinner to cook, a kitchen to clean, a dishwasher to stack. Jen. Another dishwasher to stack, kids to raise, clothes to buy, clothes to wash, more clothes to buy, shoes to buy, photos to take, captions to write, photos to post, news to read, sport to watch, Netflix series to catch up. There's about three Netflix series that I wanna watch. And it's a problem, guys. As I get older, I, I can't even last one episode. I'm falling asleep. Look. <laughs> we, we've tried three nights to finish this one episode. I, I promise you, like, it, the other day was like right near the end. It had about 20 minutes left and I fell asleep after 10. It's like, oh gosh, we'll pick it up again tomorrow. But I'm so frustrated because I want to get through it because there's another series I want to watch. We just don't have time. But more importantly, we don't have time for the things that really matter, the things we wish we had time for. What about taking the time just to have a family meal, which I think has disappeared in many ways. And, and we have to be intentional around making those times possible. What about deep conversations, long conversations with friends? I know some of you find that like, like a horrible experience, you know, just having a long conversation. But sometimes it's so important just to listen. We're so quick at like, hey, how's it going? How are you doing? Yeah, I'm fine. We, we, we're answering before they've even like, you know, hey, how's it? And be, before they even tell you how they're doing, you're saying, yeah, how's it? And how's it going? Have you ever asked the same question again three times? You're like, you really asked me how I'm doing three times, but you haven't even waited for the answer. Conversations. What about time to rest, to reflect, to read, or just time to seek God? Say, God, what are you saying? What about waiting for God to answer? So often we say, Lord, I just pray for this, and I pray for that, and I pray that you do this, and thank you, amen, and then you leave. God, like, okay, would you, would you like my opinion? <laughs> so I go to the doctor. Hey, doctor, I've got a sore knee. I don't know, just a problem. I heard it here. Okay, cheers, thanks. He's like, we just don't have time. One good thing is neither does anyone else. We are all in the same boat. But because we're all in the same boat, it kind of feels like, well, it's normal just to feel crazy, to feel rushed. 
It must be God's will for our lives. It must be just the world system that we're in. What if the greatest enemy to the life that you want may be the life that you're living right now? And in this series, and last week, and even now, just for a few moments, we're looking at the way that Jesus lived. And we're saying, okay, well, God, if you gave us a human example here on earth, not that we all have to do exactly what Jesus did, but is there a better way to do life? I know he lived in a different culture, a different time, but are there some things that we can learn from him? Now, remember this, Jesus only lived 33 years. And the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, literally focus on about three years of Jesus' life. There's not much of his his previous life, his early life. But in those three years, he did a lot. He embraced the mission that God had called him to do. He recruited a team of, of 12 people. He trained them in kingdom values. He trained and taught many other people. He endured hatred from the Pharisees. He resisted the temptation from the devil. He healed all kinds of sick people. We just have some of the stories. Some of those stories end by saying, and then he healed everybody else. He loved on all sorts of hurting people. The woman at the well, he took the time. He preached the word wherever he went. And do you know that he fulfilled 351 Old Testament prophecies. Things that had been written about him that he would do, he fulfilled those. And Jesus never once ran. I touched on it last week. Jesus had a lot to do, but he was never rushed. Well, as far as I understand from where we look at the Bible, it never says that Jesus ran. You never hear him say, come on, boys, let's go. We're behind schedule. We've got to make up on lost time. Thomas, oh, he's late again. Come on, let's just leave him here. We've got to get going. We've got to get to the other side. We've got to do this. You don't see him doing that. Listen to what Mark 2, 14 says. As he walked along. Say, as he walked along. Say it. As he walked along. He saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Levi got up and followed him. Now what is quite amusing about this, if Levi followed an unrushed Jesus, Jesus, then Levi would have been living an unrushed life himself. What about us? If we follow an unrushed Jesus, we should also be living an unrushed life. where We have margin and time and capacity just to follow him. If you find yourself on the treadmill, always rushed, stressed, overwhelmed, exhausted, trying to get it all done, always falling short. I ended last week's message with an invite to say, just come to Jesus. Do you remember that? Just come to him. And I looked at a scripture in Mark, but I want to look at that same scripture in a different version. Eugene Peterson wrote the Message Bible. It's an interpretation. It's not a literal translation. It's how he kind of uh, unpacked and looked at the original Greek and Hebrew and kind of made it more accessible to us. Listen to how he writes um, in Matthew 11. He says this, he asks a question. He says, are you tired? Are you worn out? Burned out on religion? He says, come to me, come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Alluding to the fact that you can rest, which we all do. We rest and we sleep at night. Some of us six hours, some of us seven hours, maybe eight. 
But he says, I'll give you a real rest. Walk with me and work with me and watch how I do it. Do you remember Colin's message? Walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it. He created like a whole song about this thing. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Kind of ties in so beautifully with that yoke thing, which we think is a work tool. Now that's on us. It's kind of should be a burden. He says, no, I won't lay anything heavy on you, but keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Jesus says, come to me, get away with me, and then you will recover your life. I think some of us today need a bit of a recovery. Do you know when your computer crashes and you've got to recover some stuff? You know when your hard drive crashes and you're terrified and you didn't have a backup? Get a backup, by the way. Just, I, I can't tell you how many people I speak to and they're like, I lost my phone or I lost my computer. I didn't have a backup. It's not expensive to buy an external hard drive. Back everything up because everything is on these devices that we have. So get a backup. Okay, anyway, that's not the point of my message, but that is just for someone here today. But when things crash, we have to go into recovery mode. We start sending our hard drives to people that can recover our data. God is saying to us this morning, I need you to surrender so that I can recover your life. Walk with me and work with me and watch how I do it. Watch how I live and love people. You see, we don't just believe the truth of Jesus. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. But we gotta look at the way that Jesus lived. And in his 33 years, I mean, it was just incredible what he accomplished, what he did. I mean, he saved the world, but before the last three years of his life, he waited 30 years to start. He was baptized. And then, you know, there was the, the, I'll look at it a little bit next week, but the Holy Spirit kind of descends on him and God says, you're my son in which I'm well pleased. And he was now ready to save the world, okay? But what is the first thing he does once he receives the Holy Spirit is now commissioned? And after waiting 30 years, what does he do? He takes a sabbatical. He goes out into the desert for 40 days just to draw close to God, to speak to God. And I think that in that space, in that time, that's when he was so close to God that he was able to discover a little bit more of who he was and his identity needed to be in him so that he would be set up and ready to go and do what God had called him to do. Many of us don't do what God called us to do because we don't have the capacity, we don't have the time, we don't have the energy because we're not operating out of a place of rest. We rest for what is to come, not from what we have done. It's so important to get that perspective. Jesus patterned this way for us. And what was Jesus' first miracle anyway? Does anyone know? He was at a wedding. And Jesus didn't act all big stuff and was like, hey, I'm the son of God, I've been commissioned, you know, I need to go home early tonight. He stuck around, he waited right to the end. He was like, hey guys, let's just extend the party a little bit longer, because they ran out of wine, do you remember? And he took the water and he turned it into wine. Just to extend the party, because he had time for people. So often we're rushing from one party to the next. Some of us have three parties in one night. Some of you young people have four. I saw this meme the other day. I I really thought it was amusing. Um, I hope you don't mind me showing this, but this is really cool. Did you bring any alcohol, sir? No, just water. (laughs) I love that, eh? The people that come up with these memes are so funny, they're clever. 
What about the synagogue leader, Jairus? I alluded to this story last week. His daughter was dying. And Jesus says, cool, I'll, I'll get there. And he starts walking towards the house. On the way, there was a woman that stopped him who had been sick for 12 years. And he takes his time to heal the woman. And the, the daughter ends up dying. But Jesus, don't, don't, don't stress. Don't worry about it. I'll get there. Yeah, but she's dead. Don't worry. We'll, 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 she's not dead. She's just sleeping. Just believe. That was the theme for, our, for, for this year. Do you remember that scripture right in the beginning of the year? Just believe. And he eventually gets there and she's healed. What about Jesus' transportation choice? I don't know if you've ever thought about this. I mean, he's the son of God. He can choose any animal. I'm going to choose a horse, even though I'm terrified of horses. I've had a horse run away with me a few times. Don't laugh. But I've been bucked. I've been kicked. I'll tell that. That's a story for another day. But I would choose a horse because you can get there fast. What does Jesus, Jesus choose? A donkey. I've never seen Eeyore go through a red robot. I mean, a horse. Talking about horse, I'm gonna choose the most powerful horse. A friend of mine who was at a boat show yesterday in Florida, he sent me this photo. How's this for a, how's this for horsepower? I mean, 600 times four, do the mass. 2,400, I mean, I've never seen anything like that in my life. I don't even think you need, I think one of those engines would be enough on that boat. Jesus chooses a donkey. It's a walking animal. I don't see donkeys run. Now the question I want to ask you today is, if Jesus wasn't rushed, why are we? If we simplified it, I think it's two things. One is we're either running from something or we're running to something. Let me help explain. Maybe you're running from insignificance and you're running to acceptance. Maybe you're running from past failures past insecurities, past hurts, maybe even something more tragic, like a, an abusive lifestyle, so we run from that. And then maybe we spend our life running towards something. So maybe you're young and you're like, I've got this goal to get married, so I'm gonna, you know, this is gonna be everything. Right now, there's a few people in our church getting engaged and ready to be married. And I was laughing at Sfinder this, this morning. Uh, you were saying, I just told Kendall just to slow down. You know, like, we, she wants to talk about the wedding now. I'm like, well, you are engaged, but... Yeah, but like I'm thinking like two years, you know. <laughs> but, but we're running to, you know, to achieve, to, to do this thing. And then we're going to have the kids and then we're going to buy the house and we do all these things. And then we're going to have a baby and, and, and then we'll be running towards success. You know, I need to do this. I need to do that. Sometimes we're running for, for an image or, or, I mean, a lot of people run for some adulation and some praise and fame. Or we're running towards more money or more likes, whatever it is. We're running towards stuff. But the problem is this. You're chasing a life that will still leave you empty when you find it. It's okay to dream things and to achieve things. It really is. But if that's what you spend your life doing, you will be empty when you find it. Matthew 16, 26 says, For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world, wealth, fame, and success, the Amplified says, but forfeits his soul? And what will a man gain, sorry, give in exchange for his soul? What if the greatest enemy to the life you want is the life that you're living right now? Maybe you're thinking, hey, listen, yeah, pastor boy, I don't just work Sundays. I've got a real job. Because I know some of you just think we work Sundays. I mean, this just, I just made this message up this morning. 
You're just saying, it's cool for you, but I just don't have time. You don't understand what I do. Can I challenge you this morning? You have time for what you choose to have time for. Your job is still your choice. You have time for what you choose to have time for. I'm not saying disregard what your boss tells you to do, okay? Don't get what I'm not saying. But you have time for what you choose to have time for. The solution is not more time. The solution is more of what matters. What matters most. And the reason you don't have time for what matters, if we're honest, is because we're mindlessly spending our time on what doesn't. On the iPhone, they have this thing called screen time. You can actually go see what you've spent your time on. It's quite terrifying when you actually look at that. That's what matters most to you. Can I give you some scary stats? Social media, for those of you who use social media. Do you know the average person spends 706 hours a year on social media? Now, if you take a working day hour, so working hour, so that's eight hours a day, so that's, uh, you know, you, you awake, well, you sleep maybe a third, you do other stuff for a third, and then you work a third. Do you know that totals 706 hours, it totals about four and a half months of working hours in a year. That's what the average person spends on social media. It might not be you, but I'm just giving you the average. That is terrifying. If you are in denial, go have a look at your screen time. What about TV? Now, I'm not saying the traditional TV like we used to watch TV, but nowadays we are exposed to all sorts of avenues to watch TV shows and, and things. This is an American stat. The average American watches more than 1,500 hours of TV per year. So that's four hours of TV each day. 28 hours a week or two months in a year of non-stop TV watching. In a 65-year life, that person will have spent nine years glued to a TV. I'm not making this stuff up. Go Google it. These are legit stats. And I don't think many of us, even in South Africa, are, are, are too far off some of these stats. Some of you are actually saying, hey, I'm doing better than that. Woo! <laughs> Do we have any gamers here? Maybe, can I speak to the guys for a while? Because I know that maybe girls play games, but we've got some gamers here. Maybe some of the guys. How's this for a stat? Before the age of 21, the average guy would spend 10,000 hours on video games. So that's PlayStation or Wii or whatever it is. And, and I know that to be true until Jude finally sold the PlayStation. He was playing this Fortnite game last year. He literally indented the Ottoman. It's, it's got a dent in it from where he sat for hours and hours. His back literally had problems. What could we do with 10,000 hours? Do you know that it takes 10,000 hours to master an instrument? You could be a concert pianist in 10,000 hours. If you made 50 rand an hour, you could make half a million rand with that amount of time. Some of you are going, oh my gosh, what have I done with my life? You could have read 2,000 books in 10,000 hours as the average reader. You could have got your pilot's license in 10,000 hours. You could have memorized the whole New Testament in 10,000 hours. You could have got a degree. You could have potentially saved your marriage. You could have reconciled with a family member if you invested that amount of time. You could have been more intimately acquainted with your spouse or your kids. 
Or you can mindlessly waste your life on what doesn't really matter. You're not going to get to heaven one day and God says, hey, how did you do in Fortnite, but how many skins did you buy and how, who did you beat? Now I'm not saying don't do that stuff. It's fun, I know. What if the greatest enemy to the life you want is the life that you're living? Okay, what do we do? I don't know. We're all struggling, right? I'm not going to give you a lot to do because we don't need another thing to do. But I do know this. If we don't slow down, God might just allow us to slow down. There might just be something that he allows to happen. And God forbid, you know, I know of stories and situations where God has allowed things to happen that literally gives people the right perspective. And I would hate that for any one of our lives. But I've heard of people having burnout and that really forces them to slow down. But we need to slow down. We need to get back to the basics. What's actually important in life? And Jesus only gives us two things. He says, love God and love people. Slow down so that you can actually understand why you're here on this earth. And that's to understand and experience the love of God and to love people. Do you know, it's it's the greatest commandment. He says, well, new command am I given to you as you love one another as I have loved you. John Marcoma, who wrote this book, uh, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, says this, love is incompatible with hurry. And we're always in a hurry, but it's incompatible. What does the Bible say about love? Love is patient. Love takes time. Hurry doesn't have time. And I want to come to a close with a prayer that I've been praying the last week. And I want to invite you to pray this prayer with me as a church together over the next seven days. Could you do that? Could you commit to doing that? It's one line. It'll take you three seconds. This is the prayer. Very simple. It's up on the screen. God, help me walk slowly enough to experience Jesus fully and to love people deeply. Love God, love people. God, help me walk slowly enough to experience Jesus fully and to love people deeply. And I reckon if you pray that prayer every morning when you start your day, I think there's three things that you're going to experience. One is you're going to be more present in the moment and don't miss next week because I'm going to be sharing a message on basically being and living in the now, being in the moment, I reckon you will be more self-aware and present. You're going to listen to people more. You're going to see needs more. You're going to hurt with people more. You're going to love people more. You're just going to be more present. Two, I think you're going to choose what's important and it's going to help you eliminate what's not important. It's going to help you with your priorities. It's going to help us not pick up the phone and rather focus on the person in front of us. It's going to help you say no to what doesn't matter and yes to what does. I've said this before in a series a few years ago, but you might need to say no to some good things so that you can say yes, yes to the best things. And a no for now doesn't mean a no forever. Just know that. Because there might be seasons in your life. I remember when I was playing league squash, it was every Tuesday night and then I had to play on Fridays and you had to practice in the week. And when we had kids, it was all a bit crazy and I kind of gave it up because it was just too much. I remember also, I love golf, but I had to make a decision for that time. And even in the, the last little while, like golf 
let's just be honest, it's a selfish sport. You're on your own and you're out, not only for the five hours while you're on the course, but you're there before, you're there after, have a few drinks. And I'm not saying don't play golf, but if you're in a season of craziness and kids, I wouldn't suggest taking up golf and trying to be a scratch golfer in that season. I've got to be honest. Because all that time, you could be missing out on a whole bunch of other things. And I'm not saying never play golf. Don't hear what I'm not saying. All the golfers are going to come in like, swing a club at me after the service. But it might just be a season. Just because it's a no for now doesn't mean it's a no forever. And the third thing I think, if you pray this prayer every day, is you're going to sense God's presence and recognize His voice. Your ears are going to be more attentive to the little whispers. I heard a little whisper on, what morning was it? Was it Thursday morning, Wednesday morning? I can't remember. So my wife and I, uh, I dropped off kids, she dropped the kids and we met here at the church and Rich Bissett, who's an accountant here at the church, um, said he's gonna join us for the run. So I said, well, look, let's get here 25 past. We're gonna run shop 7.30 because just do a quick 5K. Then I've got to get back and shower. And then, you know, um, people are here at the office arrive from eight, we have a coffee and then we have meetings from Hopper State. So time is a bit tight. So he phones me to say it's load shedding, all the robots are messed and he's stuck in traffic. So I'm like, oh. he says like, well, you guys just start. So I'm like, no, you're not gonna catch up to us, but we're fast, no, I'm kidding. Um, I said, we'll wait for you. How long are you gonna be? He said, five, 10 minutes. So anyway, I'm standing outside. My phone was already in my running pouch thing. So I was just standing outside. Jin had come inside to do something and I was just waiting. And I was just looking around and I was thinking about my message coming this Sunday. And I started to do something that I haven't done in a long time. I'm not even a good whistler, but I started to whistle a tune. And then I stopped whistling and I was like, I don't remember the last time I just whistled randomly. And my like, God, are you saying something to me? Because I was thinking about the message and I was thinking about, always like something to really impact us, whether it's a story, whether it's a, a I don't know, an image or, or something. And I, and I needed something. And I was like, I think there's something in this. So I'm whistling. I mean, so random. And then I opened my phone, because I had Google something. Why do people whistle? Do you know what's hit me? When you're not rushed, when you're bored, you whistle. And then I started to think about the people that I know that whistle. And it was always older people. I think about my uncle growing up on the farm. He used to always whistle. I think about the old guy who came and fitted a furniture thing in, the, in our office about 15 years ago. He, it drove me mad, but he spent all day whistling. He's like, Remember how long he took to fit these cupboards? And he couldn't even whistle properly. He was like, <laughs> Then I thought of Janina's grandpa, who would potter around in his workshop, and I used to enjoy chatting to him, and he would just whistle, whistle through his teeth. Think about the people that you know that whistle. I don't hear this generation whistling. I don't. When last did you whistle? Is it because we're too busy? Too rushed? Something interesting about whistling as well. 
and some of the reading I did around whistling. It's the most bizarre thing, whistling, but I've never thought about it. Is you'll never hear a sad person whistle. It comes out of a joyful heart, one of a heart that's at peace, one that's happy. And surely that's how God wants us to live. It's like this natural melody that He's given our hearts to sing through our mouth. What do birds do the first thing in the morning? They whistle. When did you whistle? Last. Some of you want to get out here right now and just give it a whistle, eh? Can I encourage you this week? Homework. Whistle as much as you can this week. Give it a go even now. I want to hear it. Just, get, this is, people are going to think we're mad, but whistle. <laughs> Waiting for that one. Come on. Some of you haven't whistled yet. Give it a go. Whistle. This is awesome. <laughs> you never thought you were going to come to church and whistle. But didn't that sound pretty? It sounded beautiful. It sounded light. Because we took the time. Jesus took the time. I can imagine Jesus whistling wherever he went. The way Jesus lived. God help me to walk slowly enough to experience Jesus fully and to love people deeply. And here's what's interesting. Where was Jesus walking? Jesus was walking towards the cross. That's what he had his eyes fixed on. And for us as believers, if we want to know the way, we keep our eyes on Him, the cross, what Jesus did for us. And imagine a church, imagine our lives where we all do this, where we have time and where we focus our eyes towards the cross. Imagine the lives that we will impact and change when we just take the time. I'm gonna give you an opportunity to pray that simple prayer as we close now. Let's close our eyes. Very short, simple prayer because time has run out. And let's pray it. God, help me to walk slowly enough to experience Jesus fully and to love people deeply. Pray it again. God, help me walk slowly enough to experience Jesus fully and to love people deeply. That's our prayer today, God. Simply that. Speak to us, God. And my last prayer is for anyone here today that hasn't experienced Jesus before and you have kind of busied your life, rushed around, trying to make it happen on your own. But one of the things you first need to do is come to Jesus. And if you've never come to Him and surrendered your life, I'd love to give you an opportunity to do that today. And it's just a simple prayer that we're gonna pray and then the journey begins. But if you would like to pray that prayer, I'm not gonna embarrass you or make you stand up, but 
And we're all going to pray the prayer together, but I'd love to know who you are. If you would like to pray the prayer, never prayed it before, would you mind just popping up your hand quickly so I can see where you are and then we can pray together? Anyone here today want to pray that prayer? Anyone in the room? I haven't seen any hands go up here today. Maybe you're online today as well. I can't see your hand. Maybe you're catching up on this later because you were too busy this morning to come to church. (laughs) Don't feel bad about that, by the way. It's just life. But let's pray this together, nice and loud. Dear Lord Jesus, from today, I commit my life to you. I give you everything. Come and live in my heart. Change me and make me into the person that you want me to be. I'm sorry for my past, God. I ask you to forgive me. And from today, I want to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Come, let's just sit.